0: And welcome to Tuesday on the Pure Opelka Podcast. Michael Pelka here. It's going to be a busy day. We have many, many topics to talk about, including the president uh, speaking to the United Nations General Assembly, or UNGA, as they call it. What a stupid acronym. UNGA. Hello, everybody, and welcome to UNGA. Now, let's call it the United Nations, please. Goofy. UNGA. Well, um... Joe will speak today, and the over and under is double digits now on a combination of Joe freezing in place, kind of like Mitch McConnell, briefly getting lost, falling off the teleprompter, or telling a dumb story. Like Joe suddenly say, uh, our hearts go out to the people of Libya after that flood, which reminds me that we, we had a flood once at the beach house when uh, a toilet got stopped up because Hunter and his crazy... Russian hookers were just running around uh, throwing toilet paper in all the toilets. And, you know, I know the horror of that kind of flooding. He might say something like that, but double digits, that's what we're looking for. Double digits. Speaking of Hunter Biden, Hunter does not want to show up for the arraignment on his, his gun charges. And I wonder if he's going to get a pass on that. We will talk about Hunter Biden and what he did with the, uh, With a lawsuit, his lawyers did it, he didn't do it. Uh, The filing of a lawsuit against the IRS with attorney author Wendy Patrick coming up just around the corner after we hit some of the headlines. And trust me, there are plenty of headlines, uh, but the Hunter Biden playing the victim card, we have to get into that. Jim Jordan, speaking of the Hunter Biden story, has vowed to grill Merrick Garland like a cheese sandwich. Uh, about slow walking of the Hunter Biden investigation. We will see what's going on there. Big news, Donald Trump is not going to attend the second GOP debate. He instead is going to speak to auto workers in Detroit. While I would love to see the former president on the debate stage, because it's just fun watching Donald Trump take apart everybody on the debate stage. I wish he were doing it, but he has chosen because of the gigantic lead he has over everybody he's chosen to skip the debate he'll go to detroit he'll speak to the auto workers there's a good chance the strike won't be settled by that time and even if it is even if it is trump will make some great points about why the auto workers and basically all working people should support the gop over the democrats cuz the democrats really don't care about american workers no matter what they tell these people. If you look at just the example of the automotive industry, the Democrat push to move everybody to electric vehicles, not only is it not environmentally sound, it also is bad for the workforce. Electric cars, battery-powered cars, take fewer workers to build. So they're talking about a 30 to 50% workforce reduction. If you pay those people all that extra money, you're only going to have half as many of them, which is the problem. So you're still looking at putting a bunch of people out of work. So it's a bad idea, bad idea for working people to support Democrats. They're really not on your side, not even close. Don't even think about it. Uh, We have news as well from Lauren Boebert. Uh, I know you're tired of the Lauren Boebert story, but I find it hilarious that Democrats are all freaking out about it. In fact, Whoopi Goldberg was losing her mind on The View yesterday, saying it's not about uh, the behavior in the theater. It's about the lying, the lie. So the lying bothers her. I wonder how Joe Biden's lying is sitting with Whoopi Goldberg. They railed on the lying for quite some time. And the other harpies on The View were all talking about the behavior, the groping. Well, A, they're adults. And B, it was a dark theater, although it was visible to everybody, especially infrared cameras, and they shouldn't have been doing it. Let's face it, you're a representative of the people, Lauren Boebert. She's reportedly split from the guy who the Daily Mail is reporting she had been dating secretly for several months. How does any congressperson, especially someone who draws all the attention of the left-wing media, how does any congressperson secretly date someone? Especially a Democrat, which makes you wonder, was this a setup? Was this guy kind of sent in to get her attention? You know, she's going through a tough divorce. She needs a little comfort, a little human contact. Anyway, she said she split up with the guy. But the Democrats, they don't care. The Democrats want Lauren Boebert arrested and prosecuted for public lewdness. Yeah, there's a law in Colorado that I guess you could kind of extend to this kind of behavior. Uh, They weren't having sex in public, which was at the core of the law. But the Democrats, uh, they, they want her arrested and put on trial. What about the guy? Do they want him arrested too? No, he's a Democrat. Of course, he won't be arrested. But they say nothing about the woman in Virginia who was making porn videos with her husband and making money off of that. And uh, they wanted extra money uh, for for her husband to urinate on her. Yeah, because that's, you know, that's good family values in Virginia. They've been absolutely silent on that. In fact, they're painting that woman. Many Democrats are painting that woman as a victim, that her identity has been exposed. Oh, no. Speaking of exposed, now that the Fetterman wardrobe rules have been enacted in the Senate, And John Fetterman can wear whatever the hell he wants. Susan Collins, yes, Senator Susan Collins, a reliable, generally reliable Republican vote, has uh, joked about wearing a bikini in the Senate. Uh, Please do not. I know you're joking, but please don't even joke about stuff like that. No, no, thank you. Although I would like Fridays to be Fetterman Fridays. Fetterman Fashion Fridays, that's what I think it should be. If all of the Republican senators would dress in shorts and hoodies on Friday, I think Schumer might see how ridiculous this uh, bending of the rules is. And it, it also shows you that Democrats are still uh, rules for, for thee and not for me, because all the people who work in the Senate, all of the aides and assistants to the senators still have to abide by the, the formal rules with jacket and pants and, and suits and ties, etc. So it makes no sense. But Fetterman Fashion Fridays, I think that has to be a thing. It has to be a thing. And while we're in D.C., Congress handed out some uh, special instructions yesterday to everybody that works in the Congress. Congress is freaking out because uh, D.C. has a crime problem. You think? Yeah, think? Yeah, D.C.'s out of control. It's just not safe. And carjackings are spiking at an all-time high. So they handed out Tips on how to avoid being carjacked while you're in Washington, D.C. Oh, my God. How about we arrest people and put them behind bars and keep them there? I think Chicago's going to learn that lesson too. Chicago ended cash bail yesterday, so nobody will be held uh, with bail. They're, they're just going to book them and say, okay, come back in two months for your trial. You go back out on the street, Mr. Alleged Criminal. Yeah, that's going to be uh, a bad thing in Chicago. Uh, I predict horrible things from my old hometown. Uh, Philadelphia yesterday, maybe finding some common sense, they passed a bill banning supervised drug sites. These are places where people could go bring your drugs and safely shoot up. Well, Philadelphia has become an absolute hellhole as well with drugged people stumbling around these zombies. These drug zombies are everywhere. And the city council voted 13 to 1 against these drug sites, these supervised drug sites, to ban them. Now, will the mayor sign it? Even if if he chooses not to, if, even if he chooses to say, no, I'm not signing that, uh, guess what? 13 votes will overturn the mayor's veto of it. We shall see. A couple other things I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, Olive oil prices have gone up over 100%, so people are stealing olive oil from the grocery store. Crazy, right? Absolutely crazy times. Uh, Elon Musk is talking about putting a monthly fee on Twitter. Would you pay a monthly fee? I frankly would. I use Twitter like a news source, and I get multiple news sources feeding into Twitter that I can get information from. So a small monthly subscription fee to Twitter makes sense for me. It's also going to make me look at all of the things I subscribe to and probably cut one or two of them out. So that's happening. And I mentioned the auto strike earlier. Um, The UAW has told Joe Biden he's not going to have a role in settling their strike against the car makers. They finally figured out that Joe is in the tank with the car makers in a big way. Yeah, he's not the union guy. He tells you he is. And Stellantis, one of the big three, uh, offered its workers 21% raise, a 21% raise. They flat out turned it down, rejected it, said, sorry, not interested. We asked for 40%. 40%. Yikes. That's crazy. Uh, There are some other stories out there floating out some crazy stories we'll have to get to. But I want to get our friend Wendy Patrick in here. Wendy Patrick, attorney, author, public speaker. Uh, She's going to break down what's happening with the uh, Hunter Biden story. And I also have another crazy legal question I have to ask Wendy. She will be here next on the Puro Palka podcast. It has been too long since I've spoken with our friend Wendy Patrick. Of course, she is the great attorney, author, public speaker and friend of mine. Wherever I go, she seems to make time to talk about the legal questions of the day and she is back. And uh, the, the Labor Day hiatus is over. Wendy, it's time to get back to
1: work. Welcome. (laughs) Okay. Always a pleasure to join you. Oh,
0: it's my pleasure. And by the way, follow Wendy on Twitter, Wendy's Twitter account always then tags to the Psychology Today articles, which are always entertaining and educational. <laughs> and I hope people uh, follow you as as soon as they can. Uh, Wendy, so much I want to talk about. I, I want to get rid of this one question early because I think you can explain it to me. The Lauren Boebert story, the congresswoman who was caught on a, a, a security video that was inside a theater where she was misbehaving, to say the least, during a live show. And uh, a lot of us were sitting around going, wait a minute, they're videotaping, they're, they're recording the audiences in theaters. And I guess it makes sense, especially when we consider some of the issues of copyright protections, catching people videotaping in movie theaters and stuff, and also after the mass shooting that happened in Aurora, Colorado, years ago. Um, Should we in this era of cameras everywhere ever have an expectation of
1: privacy? You have an expectation of privacy in areas that are are private bathrooms, fitting rooms, you know, sometimes even fitting rooms say you may be watched. But (laughs) those are some of the areas where you, you probably see signage. Um, But when you don't have an expectation of privacy is, as you mentioned, you know, crowded places, public places, movie theaters, restaurants, stores. I mean, we all know surveillance video is everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's on the street. It's in the sky. You look for this reasonable expectation of privacy with the emphasis on the word reasonable. In other words, you don't you can't make an argument that you thought you were in a private place if a reasonable person wouldn't. So that is why we should always expect, we are living on video as the 80s song uh, that we all remember so fondly, is we do live in a day and age where we are being filmed almost always. And you also don't expect to be filmed in places like hotel rooms, Airbnbs. You may remember there's been a lot of litigation over the years of hidden cameras. So if you think about it that way, reasonable expectation, a movie theater would not be a reasonable expectation of privacy.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. I understand that. And now I'm going to have that that Rockwell song in my head for the rest of the day. I always feel like (laughs) somebody's watching me. Yeah, Yeah, that's what's going on. It's going to be there. All right, let's get to the big story. Uh, And I've seen you talking about this in several places. The Hunter Biden story after uh, the indictment and the three felony charges related to the gun form owning the gun, having the gun in his possession. Um, Then now we're seeing uh, uh, the filing on Monday. Hunter's attorneys filed charges or filed uh, against the IRS, saying that they're basically hanging his laundry out in public and embarrassing him. Um, Is there is there any real foundation under the suit against the IRS, in your opinion?
1: Well, remember, what th- what he's arguing is that they illegally released his tax information and basically failed to protect his private records. So this is the interesting question here, Mike. So Hunter is not enjoying his time in the limelight, to say the least. This particular story, however, is not about, you know, photographs of him in a bathtub smoking a cigarette. This is about his banking records. So while Congress is saying, show me the money, His lawyers are arguing the IRS is not allowed to do that. Now, the IRS, for their part, remember, they had the whistleblowers testify. They're saying, well, wait, this is whistleblower protection. The Hunter's lawyers are saying whistleblower protection doesn't protect your release of a private citizen's confidential bank records. So you see, it's kind of a novel issue. I mean, I'm sure we could find some precedent for the release in general, but it's really unusual the way in which it came up particularly, Mike, because remember, Hunter's financial dealings are still technically under investigation. In fact, I shouldn't say technically, because that was basically stated by the special counsel. That's one of the reasons the, the plea deal unraveled dramatically in court, is the prosecutors weren't willing in the, the other charges he was going to plead guilty to to basically say, you're going to have immunity from anything else we're investigating. So that's what makes it a little more complicated.
0: Well, I see the complications, but I also I also wonder what Hunter's attorneys might say when the government says, hold on a second, we have 150 suspicious activity reports, or SARS as they're called, from the banking industry. These, these banks are required to alert the government, and that includes the IRS, when they see some hinky financial movement. And now there are not just one or two, there are 150 SARS reports that go back to Hunter Biden and his various shell companies. So uh, I don't see how the Biden attorneys think they've got a leg to stand on when you have that much uh, uh, activity in the form of, I guess, smoke. And then you follow it and maybe find a fire.
1: Well, yeah, definitely. Their argument is the public dissemination of it. Remember that the two whistleblowers didn't only provide this information in the congressional hearings, but remember they sort of did the news circuit. They went on the news and they talked a lot about it to the public. And Hunter's lawyers are arguing, regardless of whether it's good or bad information in the investigation, um, pretty damning information is what a lot of people think, uh, it shouldn't be made public. You know, that's what trials are for, and that's when evidence is legally admissible in court, and if cameras are allowed, we hear about it. But it's premature to be releasing that kind of information into the public realm. At least that's the argument then they're, that they're making. They're basically saying the IRS unlawfully disclosed his tax return information and did not establish any kind of safeguards to ensure its confidentiality. And by the way, what is he seeking. Not only does he want the, the documents back, he is seeking a thousand dollars for each unauthorized disclosure and attorney's fees. Okay, attorneys are expensive. I went into the wrong line of work when I became a government lawyer. So yeah. he's asking for all of that back.
0: And he's got some very expensive attorneys. I know that <laughs> yeah. Abby Lowell has a, a lot of zeros behind his hourly rate number. <laughs> um so <laughs> Wendy, just looking at this, could this be a preemptive strike against a possible IRS uh, indictment that people have talked about. Hunter might face indictments in California or other states, not just the gun charges that he's currently dealing with. But would this be a way to maybe block an IRS activity or whatever he's doing with the money that they allege he's, he's vacuumed up from all over Eastern Europe? Is this possibly a way to block that kind of an indictment?
1: No, but I like the vacuumed up bit. So yes, where, what is he doing for the money? What did he do with it? How did he get it? How did he earn it? That can all still be investigated. Um, but the problem with uh, sharing this kind of information into the public sphere is remember there's always you don't want to taint a potential jury pool before you impanel a jury. You know, pretrial publicity is normally discussed in connection with the pending case, but it doesn't need to be. I mean, there are lots of cases where that is a real concern for where are you going to find a fair and impartial jury if you are pre-releasing all of this quote unquote evidence. The danger there, Mike, is you and I and our listeners all know that half of what you see in the court of public opinion will never make its way into a court of law. And if you have jurors not remembering where they were exposed to the information, whether it was from the witness stand or from somebody's Twitter feed, then you've jeopardized an accused right to a fair trial. And everybody's entitled to a fair trial. So you wouldn't be able to preempt it. But here's something interesting, Mike, if you do have Hunter being uh, summoned to testify in front of congressional hearings, and he is about to be charged, well, he doesn't want to be making the kind of incriminating statements that will later be used against him. So it's really tricky when you have people, let's even take the grand jury example, Georgia grand jury, okay, so who were some of the people that testified? Some of the now defendants, like Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, So that's another complication when you have somebody being investigated for the very thing that they may have to testify in front of Congress about.
0: Hmm. And I know that uh, Speaker McCarthy has talked uh, about issuing subpoenas for not just Hunter, but several members of the Biden family. Don't they usually wait till the very end, near the end of the investigation to get to the big fish? Or is that not the same uh, procedure in congressional hearings.
1: Well, it's a great question because when you're talking about indictments, that lots of people believe that that's true. Is that you, you wait and you hear what everybody else can tell you, and then maybe you subpoena the target or invite—not uh, really subpoena, but you you invite the target to uh, to testify as well. It's different in congressional hearings. You know, remember we've watched a lot both this year and last year where they kind of went on an availability basis (laughs) where they would take people when they were available. So I don't know if their thinking and reasoning is exactly the same, but one thing that is the same is that whatever they say, you're releasing information that, you know, could be used to build a case. And that's why people are just so skittish uh, in coming in answering questions unless you're just going to deny everything and remember everything you said. That's no doubt one of the reasons that they were never able to get Donald Trump to come in and justify.
0: Yeah. And and he, you know, I guess he, he issued some depositions, written answers to questions, but it's not the same when they're sitting across not from you. Not the same. Yeah. That's
1: for sure. And Donald, Donald Trump is so frequently apt to speak off the cuff, that <laughs> would have been very dangerous to have him come in and just kind of, you know, um, meander around like he does when he speaks at his rallies. You do not want that under oath.
0: Yeah, I think that was a wise move by by Trump's lawyers and Mr. Trump. Right. Uh, Wendy, let me ask you one more question because we're going to be on this topic for a while. I know we will be visiting it throughout its lifespan in the news cycle, uh, but I think there should be one more gun charge for Hunter Biden. And I say that based on some of the photographs and videos that we saw from the laptop, which showed Hunter Biden in various uh, states of uh, undress, brandishing a firearm. There's one photo that appeared on the cover of the New York Post. Hunter is holding a nine millimeter handgun with the hammer cocked, his fingers on the trigger, which first of all is horrible, horrible gun etiquette in any case. But Mm. the, the charge, the felony charge he has for having possession of a firearm while he was under the influence or using drugs that relates to a pistol to a revolver and not a semi automatic handgun. Can he be technically or can he expect possibly another federal felony charge for possessing that firearm?
1: Well, they would have charged it all together. You know, one thing the government doesn't want to do, if, if they could prove that was actually a gun and not a prop, you know, they, they would have to be able to prove that. But if they could, they would have done it uh, probably together. Now, I say that I think probably because, remember, we just saw a superseding indictment in the Mar-a-Lago case against Donald Trump. Yeah. So it is, you know, you always have investigation that's ongoing. But Hunter's gun charges, the ones that were charged are from 2018. Um, And you may remember that uh, part of the criticism that some of the people were bringing, some of the um, folks on the left were basically saying, look, this is five years. It took you five years to charge Hunter with lying on the form that he basically admitted being an addict during that time. And then, of course, the third is uh, is the possession. It's also true that that gun apparently... Um, allegedly he had less than two weeks and was never used in a crime. So they're arguing um, more, not, the, not about the merits, but almost the procedure and the fairness aspect of it. They're saying, his lawyers are saying, look, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not very common to have this issued as a standalone. It, it does happen, and it's very serious but the political angle of it is complicated by some of the SCOTUS decisions that have come down in recent years, kind of reexamining the extent to which we regulate gun use. And that conservative viewpoint is also being used as an argument in that, well, maybe, you know, you look at the other cases and jurisdictions that have said these kinds of things are unconstitutional. So it's almost like Hunter's lawyers are working um, the procedural angle Rather than the merits of did he lie on a form? The answer is yes. Uh, And did he uh, unlawfully possess that gun? The answer is yes. Now, they can't say that. But Hunter admitted it, uh, being an addict at the time. So it'll be interesting for you and I and our listeners to follow this case, because the angle of defense is different than in so many other cases where maybe the defense is that either I didn't lie on the form or I didn't possess the gun.
0: Well, and I'm going to be the prosecutor on this one, Wendy, and I'm going to say I'm sorry, Hunter Biden's lawyers, but to say that he only had it for three weeks and didn't use it in the commission of a doesn't crime. Doesn't matter. Uh, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, if,
1: it's, it's, not, it's not a legal defense.
0: Okay, good. At all. Because you were scaring me there on that one, because I was going to no, say. No,
1: it's, it's no, that, 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 that was the point that I was making. Oh. None of what they're saying is a legal defense. Instead, their arguments are more oriented to the constitutionality of the statute. Okay, sometimes we call that a collateral attack. Uh, the timing is suspect. So they may argue, well, it's, you know, selective prosecution. So their arguments are not to, that's what I meant when I, it's not to the merits because he's guilty under the merits. They're kind of attacking it in a little different way. No, you know, it's not that different from some of the arguments you hear Donald Trump supporters making on his behalf. Well, isn't the timing curious? Isn't that suspect? Why don't others similarly situated get charged with the same things? So it's kind of political on from both ends that they're taking a very close look at what both sides are being charged with. Well,
0: isn't that a surprise that politics has (laughs) entered into a case around the president's son?
1: (laughs) Right, right. Go Uh, figure. Yeah,
0: go figure. Wendy Patrick is our friend. She has great things to uh, share with us your knowledge is always helpful and straightens me out every single day, my friend. We will follow <laughs> this one to its end, and I cannot wait. I only, wish, <laughs> I only wish that any of the court actions with Hunter were on television, too, so we could watch it and comment as well. Yeah. Uh, follow Wendy. Follow her on Twitter, WendyPatrickPhD on Twitter. She, it's also called X, but I'll never stop calling it Twitter. And uh, great information and wherever I am. Thank you, my friend.
1: Thank you.